We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Napa know-how. The Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolor paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, sponsored by Drive Sober or Get Pulled Over. Derek Van Riper here with Nick Whalen. If you're listening to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher, you can please leave us a nice review. We would greatly appreciate that podcast tip jar if you want to look at it that way. Uh, we got a couple of different things to break down, mostly week two of the preseason, but some pretty big injury news rolling in over the course of the weekend. And Nick coming off an auction yesterday in which two teams ended with extra money left over in excess of $40 a piece. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, you know, I wanted to talk about the auction a little bit on the pod, but it was, it was one of those where, you know, doing it with some friends and I think I was the only one who had ever done an auction before. And, you know, it, it, been, it went about uh, as we kind of predicted, uh, like you said, a, a couple guys with some pretty massive surpluses at the end. Um, some, some pretty variable pricing, I guess, to put it lightly. Uh, I bought Cam Newton for $30 a couple minutes later, uh, Andrew Luck and Russell Wilson went in the 12 and $15 range. So, it was all over the board, but still, you know, always fun to do that with, with guys from the hometown. Yeah, those those leagues are great. When you make that switch for the first time, too, you can definitely have a few owners who don't really know what to do. Mm-hmm. The prices you see even in our software or in the DraftKit app, any of those places, they may not hold up simply because you have a room with enough people in it who just aren't sure of themselves. And a room with enough Packer fans in it. Oh, uh, yeah, that, 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 that can be a little bit inflated as well. That's always something you have to take into account drafting here. What did Rodgers go for? You over like 70? I, I don't have the results up right now, but it might have been somewhere in the it might have been 170 or whatever the max <laughs> bid is. So what max bid? Like, no, no. I think the first player nominated, I want to say, was Randall Cobb. And then there was just an immediate bidding war as he as he flew up the boards. But, you know, I mean, that's how it always works. All right. Well, as Randall Cobb goes, an important component to the Packers offense uh, is that Jordy Nelson? He's back on the practice field as we record here on Monday afternoon, and I don't know how much he's going to do this week, but it's an encouraging sign because he got two preseason games left. Even if he gets on the field just for one for a series or two, that bodes well. And if he could just be the player he was, or eighty-five or ninety percent of that player, once he's back on the field in Week One, it changes the complexion of this Packers offense. We talked to Tom Kesnick of the NFFC on the satellite show, Sirius XM fantasy sports radio, of course. Uh, interestingly enough, Nelson's falling to round three of some of the NFFC drafts right now. He was going middle of round two for most of the last month or six weeks or so. But I wonder if that, that price just spikes back up between now and the end of August. If Nelson goes through these next 10 to 14 days without any sort of setback. Yeah. I think it'll kind of correct itself uh, like that, you know, and it's tough being this early in the season with especially right now with so many drafts going on you know you look at those nffc numbers and you know there's so much data in there by now that it's it's going to be tough you know to see these drastic swings but if you do break it down you know by week or by month um you know you can probably see those differences borne out a little bit more i mean like you said he started as a probably mid second round guy uh kind of fell to the third round after these these knee concerns but I mean, it, this was never, never really much of a, a structural concern, right? You know, it was just tendonitis in the opposite knee, nothing that the Packers ever seemed too concerned about, but that never really stops people from kind of maybe overreacting to it in drafts. Yeah, that that's definitely the, the way I've seen that going down. Now, I, I think the key with everything in the Packers offense, again, it comes down to Nelson's health, unless there's some alternative they can use to stretch the field. And I don't know if they have that player. I mean, is it Jeff- not Devontae Adams? It's not Devonta Adams. Not. Maybe it's Ty Montgomery. Like that's sort Maybe. of possible, but just, I don't. I mean, it very well could be Ty Montgomery, but there really isn't any sample size to show that he's capable of doing that. At least not at the NFL level. Yeah, it's a huge unknown. So Nelson's health may be the most important thing to the Green Bay offense in the next six to eight weeks, and perhaps all season long. I mean, Aaron Rodgers staying healthy obviously is key how, too. How much do they, or how good does Nelson have to be? I guess, whether it's from a health perspective, you know, he has to be 80% for, for most of the year or something like that, or just a production uh, standpoint, how good does he have to be for them to be a legitimate Super Bowl contender? Because, you know, living around here, you know, the expectations every year are, you know, Super Bowl or bust. And, and that, that comes with having a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. Obviously they've fallen short of that these last five, six years. But I mean, I, I think Nelson, 
I wouldn't say he was blamed for it last year, you know, certainly getting injured, nothing he can control. But I think that was kind of the scapegoat was, you know, we had a great team last season, but Jordy Nelson got hurt. That limited the ceiling. If he's back, is this Green Bay team, you know, a legitimate, you know, top two, three Super Bowl contender in the NFC? It seems like it. Yeah, because the offense should go back to its pre-2015 form. And I mean, Cobb was hurt last year. Adams was hurt last year as well. Jared Aberderis got hurt after coming back for a little while. Jeff Janis never gained any traction. So it was just a slew of injuries related to the receiving core that I think limited the entire group. But Nelson's absence clearly impacted them the most. Uh, Brashad Perriman off the pup list. It's not clear when exactly he'll be back at practice, but people don't realize this guy ran a 4-2-40. Like, uh, like that's, or sub that's pretty four. much what got him into the first round. Yeah, let's, we'll, we'll say sub 4-3. It was like 4-2-4, I think, or 4-2-7. It was ridiculous and he's not small he's not like a ty hilton size player uh missed all of last season though and he was considered a player who didn't have a lot of polish to begin with so i have to wonder you know with the injury concerns he may not have that same explosiveness and given that he wasn't a good route runner already is he going to be an impact player any sooner than the second half of this season I don't know. I, I don't think so. He's not Kevin White. He's not Devontae Parker, you know, guys who who miss significant time with injuries. I mean, those guys were top tier, you know, blue chip type of prospects. And Perriman's a first rounder, and that, and that certainly means a lot. But I, I don't think he's quite on plane with those guys where you think just get him on the field and he'll be an immediate impact guy. Like you said, I think he needs to work on the route running. He, he played at a small school. There were concerns about that. So, I mean, he's not the type of you know, physical freak beyond that speed that you just say, all right, once he's healthy, we'll plug him in and find a way to make it work. I think it's going to be maybe a one or two year process. Yeah. I, I feel like it's going to be 2017 before we see Perriman as something mm-hmm. we can plug in, but it, you, know, you start looking at this receiving core, Mike Wallace, not the same player he was in Pittsburgh, of course, but he adds some depth. You get Steve Smith off his injury potentially in Kamar Aiken. It's better it's, than it was last year. Right. I mean, that's, it, it, that's, that's the thing is it, it's an upgrade. Maybe you find two of those four that can emerge to have steady, every week value you couldn't really say that about their group of pass catchers this time last year well more so like september and beyond but it got really bad in baltimore as we know and kamar aiken just became a a volume play by necessity uh perriman has not been ruled out for saturday's game against the lions i feel like it's 50 50 at best that he'd play but maybe for the preseason finale uh, we'll see him back out there Uh, thomas rawls indicating he thinks he'll be ready for week one do you trust it? Do you think he's actually be back by week one? He might be a little bit biased in this situation. And amazingly, um, yes. Yeah, so he well, he's actually said he knows he'll be ready by week one. So Thomas Rawls apparently able to, to foresee the future. I don't know. I mean, it, it seems it seems like it's trending that way, I guess. Um, and, you know, players certainly probably trying to, to err on their own side in these situations. But, um, I mean, if not week one, probably week two. Yeah. Not really going to affect where you're drafting him necessarily. Well... I think I, I think he's right. I mean, I think the injury he's coming off of and what he's been able to do, the fact they took him off pup a few, like was it 10 days ago, and it wasn't a few weeks ago, but it was a little while ago. It was more than a week ago, if I'm not mistaken. That bodes pretty well right. for Rawls and, and his quest to be ready for week one. But will he be given a full workload in week one? I think that's the question. I don't know if that's up to him. That might be mm-hmm. completely up to Daryl Bevel. To so we might see a little Alex Collins. We might see a little Kristen Michael. A lot of different things Seattle could do with the depth they have at running back. Unproven depth, but they have a few different guys they could get mm-hmm. into the mix. Uh, Deion Lewis going to have his knee cleaned up. Not a setback with the ACL, which he tore in November. But the thing that never made sense to me about Deion Lewis is that people were paying prices for him as though he wasn't hurt, like in right. early drafts. And 
No one could foresee this setback, but it just seemed like it might be October or November before right. I mean, he, he tore was back his ACL to in November. I don't know where the expectation was that. I mean, he wasn't going to be back any sooner. You would think than probably mid October. Yeah, that seemed like the best case scenario. So the pup list is almost a certainty for Deion Lewis right now. It uh, opens up a lot for James White. So you have to wonder how much will James White's stock rise in drafts. I think the the big thing is is we don't know how much the Patriots are going to let him carry the ball. Like it could just be more carries for LeGarrette Blunt, mm-hmm. and all the catches that went to Deion Lewis when he was healthy last year go to James White. And in full point PPR leagues, that makes him useful. But I don't know if in a standard league where you're not getting points for every reception, yeah. if he'll get enough touches, James White that is, to be useful every week in the absence of Lewis. I mean, maybe in the shorter term with Jimmy Garoppolo at quarterback instead of Tom Brady there will be a lot of dump offs and the volume will be there. Maybe it'll catch seven or eight passes in three of the first four games and in full point PPR leagues. That's really good. I just don't know what there is in standard leagues for James white. Yeah. I mean, the problem is you're kind of having to guess more or less at when that seven or eight catch game is, is going to happen. You know, I don't think he's going to put up those kind of numbers, you know, the first four or five games of the year. Um, so that, that kind of makes it difficult to I me mean, a guy I'm comfortable rostering in certain situations, but I don't know if I want him being my every week starter just because we don't really know how this backfield is going to shape up. A couple more injury items to pass along. Tyler Eifert attempting to jog on Monday. I would like him a lot if he were healthy. I think he's not quite in the Jimmy Graham bucket as far as the degree to which he's a lottery ticket because Eifert's younger. His injury is not as severe, but as much as I like the setup, I can't draft Tyler Eifert and expect that in week one, he's going to be the player I want him to be. I think he'll get there eventually. It might be a month into the season. But I think if you take Eifert, you have to have a second tight end you're comfortable with for the early weeks of the season. Yeah, like Tyler Eifert, I think I'm going to also attempt to jog later today. Probably not going to happen, but we'll see about Maybe that. Maybe you might, yeah, you might I mean, put down the hams and go. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. It's the, it's a little bit more mild here in Madison today, so maybe I'll get out there. But trending towards doubtful. Um, I mean, I, at this point, they're three weeks out from the start of the regular season. He's just, you know, we don't even know if he's going to jog. He's going to attempt to jog. Basically, he's been limited to pool work and, you know, low impact uh, activity. How many games are we looking at for for Eifert potentially missing? I'm not asking you to play doctor necessarily, but, you know, I mean, he's probably going to miss at least one or two games, you'd think. And at what point does he actually get up to full speed? Yeah, asking me to play doctor would really make this <laughs> podcast take a turn for the worst and probably ruin our, our friendship entirely. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm kind of building in like a two game absence for Eifert, which isn't rooted in much of anything. It's just kind of a, a guess as to how long it's going to take yeah. for him to get back to his full complement of snaps. And that's obviously uh, nothing more than an uneducated sort of guess. So, again, have a tight end you like if you take Eifert, because those early weeks may not look quite the way you want them to. Uh, Josh Doxson expected to run and resume cutting in drills this week. He's another player where I just don't really expect much out of the gate. They've got a lot of healthy receivers right now, a lot of veterans that have already built up that rapport with Kirk Cousins. And I think it may be week seven or week eight before Josh Doxson is getting a meaningful number of targets. So, I mean, is he more in the Brashad Perriman category to you or the Devontae Parker category where once he is healthy and once he's fully up to speed, is there a chance he makes an impact this season or is he more on the 2017 trajectory as well? No, he's more like Devontae Parker. I think that's a good good comparison. Drafted more closely, I guess, to Perriman, but I think he's a bigger talent. 
yeah, I, I would agree with that. A really good prospect, of course, out of TCU and, and a guy that I think eventually will take on a prominent role this year. It's just going to be a little longer than we hope because of the time he missed here in August. Uh, Victor Cruz roster spot might be in danger for him. If he can't get in the field this week, I mean, that could be the end. And I, I wonder if this is going to end kind of like the Miles Austin career ended where it's a series of, of minor injuries and Cruz was preceded by a much more serious a patellar tendon injury, but he hasn't played in nearly two years. Mm-hmm. I mean, 50, 50 right now, maybe to make the 53 man roster. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it, it sounds like yeah, they're not giving him a hard deadline necessarily, but I think the giants really want him to practice all throughout this week and maybe play. I believe they play Saturday in week three of the preseason. And if he's unable to do that, I think that's kind of the, maybe the last straw for them. You know, they're certainly not trying to push Victor, Victor Cruz out the door, but I think, you know, like he said, it's been almost two years. I think they kind of have to, to face the facts at this point and, and, and wonder even if he does come back, you know, if, whether it's for another team at some point this year, sometime next year, I think they're coming to terms with the fact that he's just never going to be the same. Yeah. That's, that's what it seems like at this point, if he makes it all the way back, it's a great story, but I'm not expecting it at this point. Nobody ever gets in their car thinking I'm drunk, I'm driving and I'm going to kill someone tonight. They might think I've had a few drinks, but I'm okay to drive or I only live a few minutes from here or I've gotten away with this plenty of times before. And they'll think like that right up until the moment they kill someone. Thousands of people are killed in drunk driving crashes every year. It's better to be safe than sorry. Download the free safe rider app to help you call a taxi or send a friend at your location. When you've been drinking drive sober or get pulled over. I'm going to recap week two of the preseason. We'll start with the jets and Redskins. Matt Jones left this game with a shoulder injury. That ended up being the most important thing for me because they don't have a lot of depth. Uh, Mario and I have talked up Keith Marshall a little bit as a a high upside sort of guy. If he gains some traction, given the lack of veteran alternatives, Marshall should make the roster. But if Jones misses time in the regular season early on, especially the Redskins running game could be atrocious. Yeah, this this is not good for me specifically. I, I bought Matt Jones in our stake auction last week. I was a little nervous about it when I, you know, when I purchased him at the time. Now looking a little bit even more of a questionable decision, but it doesn't sound like they're expecting him to miss any time come the regular season, although he was spotted uh, on the sidelines with a sling. That's never a good sight at all for your starting running back. But uh, you know, prior to leaving, seven carries, 31 yards, right around four and a half yards per carry. I mean, that's probably about what you can expect from Matt Jones. I mean, certainly higher volume over the course of a full game, but you know, even when healthy, not a guy who's going to be carrying your fantasy team by any means. No, not not at all. Anything else from Jets Redskins that really caught your eye? I mean, Bryce, Bryce Petty, Petty played pretty well. Looking yeah. good. Two touchdowns for him, 242 yards. I mean, Geno Smith, I thought, was considered the Jets' backup. Is that in, Does it one, does it matter? Two, is that really in jeopardy at this point? And Petty's been getting the most of the reps. I don't think it. it I don't think it matters. I mean, I wonder if they're going to trade one of those backups because they still have Christian. It was Hackenberg not long ago that too. Geno Smith was the starting quarterback for this team. You know, with relative certainty, probably mm-hmm. around this time last year. I don't know when did the punch happen. Um, right around this time, maybe a week and like a year and a week ago, roughly, like right around second there, week yeah. of August, possibly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, not good. Yeah, nothing else too much. I mean, Rashad Ross, uh, a third-year guy out of Arizona State, kind of a journeyman. He caught two touchdowns. You know, hard to tell if that really means anything. But 
Um, I mean, fairly rare for anybody, I guess, to catch two touchdowns in a preseason game. But other than that, no Josh Doxson for Washington. That's kind of the big name I'm, I'm waiting to get on the field. But yeah, we can move on from this one. How about the Dolphins and Cowboys? The Dak Prescott show, 12 for 15, 199 yards to the air, two TDs, three carries, 28 yards, two TDs. I mean, Backing off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> wait, wait, wait until Tony Romo has a game where he throws three picks and they lose. And you're going to hear every Cowboys fan on Twitter just screaming for Dak Prescott to get the starting job. Mm-hmm. It, it's inevitable. It's almost it's almost kind of a curse that he's playing this well for the Cowboys organization, isn't it? It's a curse for us on social media. Right, I don't, I don't right. know if it's actually it's good for the Cowboys. Obviously, there's no real quarterback competition. But yeah, like you said, if, if Tony Romo goes out in week one and throws three picks... It's not going to change anything. It's no, just people are people going to go. No, let's play Dak. Twitter, it's like yeah. twenty seventeen and beyond. Maybe there's maybe there's something there in dynasty mm-hmm. leagues. I mean, clearly the first two preseason games are a good indication that he's fitting in well in the Dallas offense. Now, what he would do if those games were entirely played against first team NFL defenses, right. of course, yeah. is completely different. But it's encouraging if you're a Cowboys no, fan. You, you might have your next quarterback on the roster. Yeah. After and you don't have yeah, and it's not it's not a huge commitment either. I think that's the big takeaway if you're Dallas is, you know, we're not committed to this guy. We didn't take this guy third overall, you know, and it doesn't really matter. But it's just, it's just nice to kind of have someone, I think, emerge like that when you're not necessarily expecting it. Also from this game, I might want to get a share or two of Alfred Morris, if only because if Zeke Elliott goes down, I think Morris could be productive behind that line. It's such a good line. The blocking scheme seemingly fits better than the one he was running behind in Washington. I don't think he's a stud, but I just think, yeah, with Darren McFadden hurt, especially Morris is a clear cut handcuff behind Zeke. And you just never know that hamstring problem could crop up again at Mm -hmm. some point later this year, even if Zeke does get back Thursday and play in the final two preseason games. Yeah, we'll see if that holds up. Cardinals Chargers, Melvin Gordon quiet in this one. Six carries, 18 yards. Chargers as a team couldn't run it. Brandon Oliver and Danny Woodhead weren't any better and Arizona's a good front so I'm not sure we can read too much into their struggles this weekend no no and and, and again it's the preseason too. you really can't read too much into any of this uh Carson Palmer struggled a bit four of eight he threw a pick um didn't see much of David Johnson in this game for Arizona just three carries five yards pretty boring game overall but between some some teams that should have decent offenses uh come the regular season Bucks Jags Storm Johnson revenge game yeah. Did you did you give how long did you watch this game? Like start to finish? I, I watched the entire first half, uh kind of tailed off a bit in the second half as you know the Chad Henney show got underway. That is you um, fell asleep watching it? No, no. It was a six thirty start. Come on. This thing was wrapped up by nine. Um but no, I mean I did watch the, the the Jags first team offense for the second week in a row. I should say I was treated to watching the Jags first team offense. Uh Blake Bortles looked good. Again, eight of eleven, eighty five yards, two touchdowns. Um, Allen Robinson did Allen Robinson things. Allen Hearns caught a touchdown. I'm, I'm dangerously optimistic right now. I don't think, you know, it's, we're sitting here in week two of the preseason. And I think I'm feeling better about the Jacksonville Jaguars than I have probably any time in the last decade. <sighs> prepare to be disappointed. I know. I just, know. Just prepare to be disappointed. I'm well prepared. I think I'm prepared for it. But yeah. we'll see. Bortles is looking good so far. So that bodes too good. <laughs> suspiciously yeah, good. Right. Uh, moving on to the Panthers and Titans, Cam Newton in midseason form, 8 of 12, 162 yards and a TD there. Jonathan Stewart was back on the field. What he did doesn't even matter that he's healthy enough to play mm-hmm. in the second preseason game is a really good sign for the Carolina running game because the backups just haven't done a whole lot. Uh, Marcus Mariota, how about 9 for 10, 104 yards, a TD, did throw a pick, but what are you doing with that receiving core right now with, with DGB in Philadelphia? 
It's interesting because I think Mariota and, and Jameis Winston, you know, often get compared and obviously being, you know, one, two in the draft and, and just kind of following the same trajectory, I guess, after their rookie seasons. But you look at that Tampa Bay receiving core and there's so much to like, especially with Mike Evans. And then you turn to Tennessee and you really don't have that whatsoever. And, you know, Green Beckham, I think, was the one guy you kind of look toward as, you know, it's certainly not going to put too much stock into him. But, you know, if there's one guy on that roster who fit the physical profile of a number one receiver, maybe it was him. Maybe he was going to be the breakout guy. Obviously, he's out of the picture now. I, is there a number one receiver on this team? Is it Delaney Walker? Mm, yeah, I think he leads the team in, in catches and yards again. Tajay Sharp is pretty interesting. I mean, yeah, he's getting well, a lot of thing. targets. Green Beckham, is, is there a guy now in this receiving core that you look to as a, a possible you know flex option, a third receiver if you're in a league like that? It's got to be full point PPR again, though, because I, I was looking at the way Tajay Sharp was getting those catches, and a lot of those were very close to the line of scrimmage. I mean, the Titans, to me, don't seem like a team that's going to take many shots downfield with the vertical passing game, but I think they trust Mariota to be efficient and to make short and intermediate throws with relative ease. So that's where a guy like Tajay Sharp, I mean, look at what Kendall Wright did in that offense a few years ago. He had like 94 catches or something like that. Maybe Tajay Sharp catches 75 or 80 balls as a rookie and is one of the big surprises this year. It has to be a full point PPR league for me to really take the bait in that case. And, you know, you look at the rest of the offense. Do you like any other pass catchers there? Is is there... I mean, DeMarco Murray as a receiver, maybe, you know, certainly you're not going to use him in that capacity in fantasy, but no, I mean, not, to answer your question, no, not really. I mean, Rashard Matthews, I guess, is a little bit intriguing, you know, had some moments in Miami uh, prior to coming over this off season, but, but no, it's a relatively uninspiring group. And I like, I like what they've done at the running back position, but I mean, your fourth running back right now is probably David Cobb, who's, you know, at, at this point bad. last year, we thought, you know, it might be a pretty decent option. And then, you know, Bishop Sankey's still hanging around. Like, do they have to move one of those guys? Nah, they could just cut Bishop Sankey at this point if they don't Second like him. round pick. It's a, they're not all gold, you know? No, Sometimes you just miss. It's, it's the way it is. Rashard Matthews is the receiver I probably like the right. most, I guess. It was a matter of figuring out who would actually pick up the extra targets that we were going to give mm-hmm. uh, to DGB. I mean, Justin Hunter's interesting with that size and the athleticism, but yeah, he hasn't really shown it yet. It's always been there, but it's like a Stephen Hill sort of problem yeah. where it's like, come on, like, at put, some it, point put it together. Show it, yeah. So we'll see if he's able to even keep his roster spot as uh, the Titans keep making adjustments. Uh, Giants and Bills, most of what we're watching was on the Bills side of this one. Cardell Jones, 6 of 12, 83 yards and a pick. LaShawn McCoy didn't go anywhere with five carries, but he caught the ball four times for 58 yards. And that's the thing that's so appealing about him is that he's going to be used, I think, on all three downs. It might be a case where he might see three out of every four, four out of every five series with a guy like Mike Gillisley spelling him only occasionally. So especially while Carlos Williams is down with that suspension, I expect LaShawn McCoy to be among the league's busiest backs in September. Yeah, but Carlos Williams is off the roster. He was released actually during the XM show on Saturday. They let while, him go? Yeah, while we were talking to to Rotowire's Kevin Payne. What was that yeah. all about? I don't know. I mean, it, I, I think it was more just the personal the off the field issues. Wow. I mean, he was facing that suspension, like you said. Uh, but I didn't yeah, even know out, he was cut. Yeah, he's out of the picture. Well, so Reggie Bush is still there, but that's right. more of a... I think I, have, I was just going to ask him, mean, is it, is it Gillisley now? I guess if you're looking for a second running back in Buffalo, I mean, you never want to you know, take advantage of anyone else's misfortune. But, you know, with Carlos Williams out of the picture, I think if you if you've bought or drafted LaShawn McCoy, you got to feel pretty good about that right now. I feel even better about it now that you told me what happened yeah. over the weekend. Congrats, I, I just assumed he was still there. I've got a bunch of shares of McCoy, so now mm-hmm. I'm feeling really good. Uh, moving on to the Ravens and Colts. You talk about a game where nothing of interest nah. happened. I mean, nah. the Colts. Andrew Luck, Andrew Luck looked good. That's, that's a good sign. That's very eight. encouraging. 
But the it's kind of like the Panthers' backfield. You, you look at Indy and you're like, well, who's the next guy? If Frank Gore breaks, is it Josh Ferguson? Is it Jordan Todman? Is it Jag, Jordan the Todman? Hulk? I don't know. Former Jag. Yeah. Yeah, it's not a good situation. And, and you know, even Frank Gore, what is the ceiling with him? And, you know, we talked about it, I think, a couple of weeks ago. They're, the Colts basically coming out and saying, you know, we realize we need to limit Frank Gore's workload this season as he gets up there in age and it, it's just it's such a gamble behind him none of these options are intriguing enough that i'm really touching it at all I'm still annoyed they punted the position because there's room for a back to be pretty useful right. in that offense and go, go get david cobb go get bishop sankey they maybe they will be maybe they'll be picking over the scraps as teams yeah. make their final cuts in the coming weeks uh but you have to think frank gore is no more than a flex option in most leagues this year i don't think he's going to be a top yeah, 20 back I mean, he could be a low-end rb2 i mean the, the carries are still going to be there it should be a decent enough offense maybe he, he scavenges a couple around the goal line plunges in has like a right. plunges that's exactly the right word to describe frank gore. 12 carries 44 <laughs> yards td like two catches for, 20 yards for all frank gore notes and references on the site we shouldn't be able to use any word but plunges like gore plunge for 45 <laughs> yards on 10k i hope i hope that's the case you should take over the colts beat just to just make sure that that, that happens <laughs> uh, saints texans drew Brees didn't play much in this one didn't play well before he left michael thomas was quiet a lot of buzz on him and, and sean payton referring to brandon coleman as pedestrian in yeah. camp so things are looking really good for the saints right now would you go as far as to say there was a palpable buzz around Michael Thomas? Uh, yeah, it was. If we're, t- if we're talking training camp buzzwords, that's got to be up there. Palpable buzz. Palpable yeah, buzz. Not only was there a buzz, there was a palpable buzz. Palpable buzz because so, yeah, a little bit every day. A little bit of a disappointing uh, day for Michael Thomas. I mean, just two targets. You know, only played a couple series, but you know, for a guy who was carrying that much hype uh, after his Week One performance, that was somewhat disappointing. The Coleman quote kind of comes out of nowhere right i mean he's been their leading receiver throughout the preseason and it's only been a two-game sample of course but uh it's kind of an odd an odd time i guess for sean payton to take a a little bit of a thinly veiled shot at his possible number two number three receiver i think he just hates his whole team i think he might too he's had kobe fleener buried in the depth chart did the same thing to cj spiller like he just hates the roster that he's dealing with right now and this is just going to be what it is. It's going to be Breeze and Cooks and Thomas and Ingram. That's it. Well, That's John, the John Kuhn did carry once or plunge once for three yards in this game. Are you touching him in any leagues? No, not quite. Maybe, maybe if, maybe if well, you're in a four fullback league. No, but like Peyton does Mike McCarthy stuff where he will like dump a ball off to a fullback from the two and let the fullback score. So mm-hmm. if you're ever in like a 16 team league and you're just desperate because there's nothing available john coon in the right spot you're like ah, eh, whatever we'll just throw him out there probably score yeah. but no seriously i now i have no interest uh moving on to the niners and broncos carlos hyde six carries 28 yards and a td vance mcdonald pretty good again three for 38 on four targets did anything at all stand out to you on the denver side not a ton it's gonna sound shocking but no not a ton i mean once again we did see the three quarterbacks splitting things relatively evenly uh sanchez getting the start uh trevor simeon uh, passed for 75 yards on 10 of 14 he had a pick Sanchez no touchdowns no picks Paxton Lynch getting the bulk of the workload in the second half 15 to 26 113 yards two touchdowns and a pick for him I mean it, it's still just way too early for me to, to judge anything from this when the Broncos make a sandwich for their quarterbacks do they just cut it like a y shape to like cut it into threes because that's you know as you cut it in half or you cut it into quarters they just make a Y and do like a yeah, I don't, odd yeah, that's a good series question. of angled That's a really pieces. good question. I'm sure they that's probably what they do. do. Yeah. 
I, I don't know. What, what else could they Are they all they sharing do? sandwiches? I don't know. I'm in Seattle. Uh, they're just probably sharing everything equally right now. Okay. Like, just I mean, to keep it all fair? Yeah. Like okay. the, the towels are probably cut into thirds. Mm-hmm. The wristbands cut into thirds. I just, oh, fair is fair. It's got to be a miserable way to live. Chiefs Rams. This is another game. I am looking for something to get excited about. Spencer Ware over Sharkandrick West, maybe becoming more clear. I mean, West did play. West had a sprained elbow, so kind of hard to tell. I guess if that was a you know what what his workload, I guess would have been. But you know, if, if you're going to give a slight edge to to one of those two guys right now, I guess it's Spencer Ware. Yeah, I mean, Pharaoh Cooper scored, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, um, Niall Davis still on the roster in Kansas City. Yep. This time last year, we thought he was the backup. Yeah. to Jamal Charles. Now he's the fourth running back, probably on the fringe of making the roster. Yeah, kind of a weird situation. I mean, there's, there's, I feel like they went through four backs last year that were at one point fantasy relevant, even if it was for like one half of one week. You know, like Charkandrick West was the big name for like two weeks. Niall Davis was a, a waiver wire guy for a little bit. Spencer Ware toward the end of the year. And then obviously Charles at the beginning. But yeah, this is a bit of a mess. It's a little bit like the Tennessee situation, honestly. Yeah. It- <laughs> More name recognition than anything else. But, but yeah, I like that you mentioned Farrell Cooper elite name arguably the best name in the draft this past year I, I hope he makes the roster i think he'll stick around pretty productive player at south carolina i i hope he hangs around i mean there's an opportunity because behind kenny Britt and tavon austin it's anyone's guess as to where the rams are going to find value in that receiving core do you enjoy playing fantasy football for cash but are tired of the same game offerings or hosting sites keeping too much of the prize pool if so check out maximumfantasysports.com they offer a variety of season-long and DFS fantasy football leagues with features no other website has, and they pay out 90% of the prize pool. Does your state prevent you from playing in a DFS league, and are you not interested in a full-season league? If so, MFS runs monthly fantasy football leagues known as four-week frenzy leagues that are available to you. Forget salary cap leagues and use the online draft for all of your full-season and short-term short leagues at Maximum Fantasy Sports. If private leagues interest you, register your own redraft and keeper leagues using options like in-game player changes, multi-team trades, team quarterbacks, bi-week rollover, and more. You can even run your survivor pools, confidence pools, pick'em pools, and squares pools for free at MaximumFantasySports.com. Join today. Vlad and I were talking mostly about the NFFC on the Friday episode, so we'll run through the Friday games here, Thursday games as well, starting with the Bears and Patriots. Jeremy Langford impressive in this one hurt his foot he's out of the walking boot that he was wearing already shed that on sunday nobody wants jeremy langford and one thing that people tend to believe because it's often true is that a running back is rarely more efficient than he was as a rookie typically that's like maximum efficiency because they're put on the field in optimal situations maybe when some starter is out of the game opposing defense is worn down usually you see the per carry numbers dip after year one but there are exceptions. Le'Veon Bell is a good one. He was a completely different player as a rookie than he became in year two. Shed some weight. Yards per carry number jumped up a ton. He became an elite back after looking like a huge disappointment for the Steelers as a rookie. Jeremy Langford also played at Michigan State. They're very different backs. Langford ran a fast 40. Le'Veon Bell didn't. I mean, that's one of many differences between them. But looking at that depth chart, Jordan Howard's an interesting player, far from proven. Kadeem Carey, to me, is just a guy. And Jacquez Rogers will probably just catch passes and do little else. So as far as setups go, for 15 carries a game and three or four catches a week, Jeremy Langford seems to have as good of a setup as anybody in the middle rounds as far as your running back options go. 
I've kind of been trashing Jeremy Lankford all over. I've just I've been avoiding him. I've been kind of, you know, avoiding, I guess, this the Chicago offense situation as a whole. So I just part of me just wants to just ignore this game because he did look really, really good. He had a 34 yard run, uh, got in the end zone, carried just eight times for 55 yards. But no, you are right. I mean, it, it, the situation itself is really, really good. And yeah, you know, this isn't the best offensive line in the league. It's not the best offense in the league. They're not going to be, you know, just living in the red zone. Uh, like some of these other teams but at the end of the day if you're getting 15 to 20 carries and like you said you're catching four or five passes there's going to be value there no matter how bad the team is as a whole yeah that, that's the way I'm looking at it right now too uh, and on the other side of this one Jimmy Garoppolo playing well some columns popping up over the weekend suggesting that he is the Bears next quarterback would that be via trade or I don't know when is he up Con- I guess his contract been a while since he's been drafted yeah. contract runs up after next year <laughs> Somebody's going to do it, right? Yeah, I mean, and, he, and it, it might be via trade after this season because what are the if the Patriots don't want him to be their starter, right. they well, got to cash him in eventually. Yeah, that's true. It's kind of unfortunate how that lines up. Honestly, you know, I, I think ideally they'd probably keep him in this role three more years, but yeah, at some point you kind of have to let him lose. I mean, he he basically has to play his way out of that, uh, you know, potential starter for three or four teams next season role. Like, I, I think even if he goes out and is just like you know, relatively average. Uh, I think that's all he really needs to do. Sit behind Brady the rest of the year and then cash in, you know, next summer. He looked pretty good though in this one, but the bears defense mm-hmm. is bad. So that's factor two. Uh, moving on to the Packers and Raiders, Eddie Lacy nine for 45 and a TD jumped in over the top, had a 20 yard run in this one. Big fellow rumbling for 20. Uh, he, I, he just doesn't look any skinnier to me. I think this was all a P 90 X conspiracy. Yeah, that's probably what it was. I mean, he looks like he's about 10 pounds lighter than he was in the playoff game. He looked huge in the playoff game. I mean, he looked huge on Thursday. He's still large. Like He's never never going to be small. He never was small. Maybe my expectations were just too high, and I was expecting him to come back looking like, I don't even know, Darren Sproles. Yeah, you thought he'd come in. I also thought he was going to lose four inches of height. Yeah. Um, no, but yeah, I mean, he looked good. He, he did get stuffed right before going over the top for that touchdown. He was stuffed. I don't I, I watching the replay. I think he thought he was just going to walk in and end up kind of getting stonewalled right on the goal line, um, which, you know, as somebody who's watched a lot of Eddie Lacy, you kind of expect him to, to be that guy who bowls over a safety for the touchdown. But yeah, like you said, he was able to he almost got kind of like, I don't know what the right word is, like a. You know, like at, at, I don't know, is it a Jewish ceremony where the person is like held up on a chair? and passed around is like a Jewish wedding. You know, like, yeah, this is so, this is totally a thing. It's in movies and whatnot. Movies. movies. What movies? What movies is in? Yeah. It's, it's in multiple movies where, you know, they pick up the person in a chair and like pass them around the room. That's kind of basically how Eddie Lacey went into the end zone. It was like he jumped and then like his lineman just kind of levitated him over the line. I think that happens at bar mitzvahs and weddings, doesn't it? I don't know. I'm, I'm not Jewish. I'm all, I'm also not Jewish. Van Riper is not a Jewish name. I'm searching Jewish chair lifting. Oh, yes. Wedding receptions. Jewish yeah. reception rituals. Okay. Yeah, that's just, yeah. yeah. You know what I'm talking about. I, but I think this it happened. exactly what I meant. It's bar mitzvahs too, though, I think. Uh, unclear. Un- we'll, we'll, we'll do some research Google 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 chair lifting bar mitzvah. Yeah, we'll save this for our Jewish wedding ceremonies podcast. Yeah, we're really, uh, we're looking really cultured right mm-hmm. now. It, it, the actual simple truth is that I, I just didn't grow up with a lot of friends that are Jewish, so I'm not familiar with those traditions. But Oh, you are right. At bar and bat mitzvahs, it is customary to raise the honoree and sometimes his or her family members on a chair. 
Yeah, but I only know that because I've seen it on TV yeah. and not because I've experienced those parties, which are probably a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, I would I, think so. I would imagine. I hope they're fun. It they, looks fun. They look like fun. Let's move on to the Eagles and Steelers. Daryl Richardson, 10 carries for 15 yards. The sure. uh, the luster is wearing off there. Uh, Sammy Coates, two for 30 on the Eagles side. Kenyon Barner. Becoming more interesting. He could be the number two back to begin the season behind Ryan Matthews, who misses time a lot. Maybe Kenyon Barner should be stashed away as one of the last running backs you take. 641 in a TD in this one. And maybe he's ahead of Wendell Smallwood right now on that depth chart. We know Darren Sproles will catch some passes, but if something happens to Matthews, they're not giving Darren Sproles 15 carries. They have to give those carries to somebody. I mean, is Barner all that much different from Darren Sproles though with with regards to to how he plays that style I mean it Sproles is obviously a little bit smaller a little bit more of the water bug type I mean Barner I don't know if is if he's an every down back either not not ideally but I think he's no, not a ideally. better fit than everything else they've got so yeah yeah I guess I mean I think in this situation Ryan Matthews would have to suffer an injury before there's really going to be any value there it's the lack of alternatives yeah. what, it, what it comes down to that opens up that that door but yeah, this game didn't have a lot going on Sammy Coates two for 30 again is a guy I still like I, I just don't know if I can pay the the newer prices on him it seems like everybody likes Sammy Coates mm-hmm. and there's not really that much room for profit how about the Browns? Robert Griffin, six of eight, 96 yards, two TDs, uh, one long TD to Terrell Pryor, 50-yarder. Can anybody stop this Pryor to, or Griffin to Pryor connection? It's two weeks in a row where he's had a catch of 30 or more yards, right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. this is one of the more bizarre developments, honestly. I mean, if, if you would have said, you know, back in, what, I don't know, 2011 when RG3, 2012 entered the league and said, you know, his, his top receiver four years from now would be Terrell Pryor as a member of the Cleveland Browns. If you ever go back in time, that's one of the first things you're going to tell people in 2012, isn't it? I saw Terrell Pryor catch a touchdown from Robert Griffin week well, two of the preseason. You're not going to tell people you saw it. You're going to tell people it's going to happen someday. Oh, and you're going to, oh as like a okay, you're going to sure. pull the Biff Tannen. You're going to like you're going to wager on it because you know it's going mm-hmm. to happen. And you're going to profit later right. on. You're going to prop on it. Okay, that's what'll happen. That would seem like such an outlandish bet that I don't think they would let you do it because they'd be like, you know something. You could find. You could find a place that'll take that bet, and hopefully they don't break your legs when they find out that you've been to the future, but mm. you never know. Uh, Atlanta side of this one, not much going on. Devonta Freeman looking pretty good, though. Four for 42 and a TD. Tevin Coleman, five for 16 by comparison. Uh, three quarterbacks played in this one. They're stacking Matt's, the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. Matt Ryan, Matt Schaub, Matt Sims. Not sure what that's all about. Probably gets really confusing. If you're, if you're like a free agent, Matt, right now, you you have your agent calling furiously the Atlanta Falcons every day. Matt Leinert's agent yeah. just keeps bothering Thomas yeah. Dimitrov. It's like, hey, I know he's your type. Let's go. Let's make this work. <laughs> that, that's probably very true. Vikings, Seahawks. What do you got in that game? I mean, CJ Ham. Eight for twenty-five. One of your favorite players because of the name, Kristen Michael. Ten for fifty-five. Kind of playing up into that narrative that he's just a little bit better this time around in Seattle. I think it's still a coin flip, though. Michael versus Alex Collins for the backup job to Thomas Rawls. We know CJ Procise is going to catch some passes. He's probably not going to run the ball a whole lot. So it's down to those two guys. If Rawls is a setback or if another injury befalls him at some point. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm still sticking with Rawls and, you know, again, not a guy that I'm rushing out to get in any draft, but I'm I'm pretty comfortable if you can get him, you know, in the, the mid to, to slightly later tier, I guess, of running backs because his price has been discounted due to that injury. But I'm still not 
100% sold on Christian Michael. I think the presence of Alex Collins kind of mitigates whatever value is there. I think they'll want to give Collins a shot at some point if they have to, and the upside seems relatively low with Christine Michael. But what about Troy Main Pope? Uh, we had CJ Ham on one side, Troy Main on the other. 10 carries, 86 yards, probably not making the roster. No, I, I don't think so. So we're not going to explore that one in any further detail. Uh, Bengals and Lions got together late last week, and that's another game where battle most, of the big cats. Battle of the big cats. Tyler Boyd, two for thirty-eight and a score, pushing his way into some Tyler redraft good, consideration. Good player, yes. I, I think this is a guy that people were discussing as you know, kind of going in that Coleman, Doxon, uh, Treadwell range. You know, even midway through the season, and you know, had somewhat of a, a disappointing year at, at Pittsburgh, but. And this is a really good offense. I mean, even if he only becomes the, the you know, two way or, or even number three option, I think you almost like him better than a solid number two receiver in some lesser offenses. Well, yeah, I think of the rookie class receivers, he's in one of the better situations mm-hmm. in part because Marvin Jones is gone and now because Tyler Eifert is hurt. So no, no Sanu. Yeah, there is a little bit of late redraft appeal now for me with Tyler Boyd that was not there about a month ago because I wasn't sure he'd get on the field enough and see enough targets right away to actually be useful in our deeper leagues now it's time for our safe sleeper pick sponsored by drive sober or get pulled over many of us will be downing beers in our fantasy football drafts which leads to bad decisions in the later rounds or worse decisions like getting behind the wheel after the draft today's safe sleeper pick nick it is legarrett blunt because you see what's happening in new england the Deion lewis setback opens up about seven more carries per game, even though they're saying James White's going to be more involved in the running game. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. LeGarrette Blunt's role seems to be as safe as ever. And as far as the price goes, he's going outside the top 150 overall. I mean, for a player that could get 10 to 12 carries and looks in close in what should be a good offense for the Patriots throughout the season, I think you have to go ahead and plug in LeGarrette Blunt as one of your depth running backs because you, you might find you can actually use him a few times throughout the year. Yeah, I grabbed him in that auction that, that we talked about at the top of the show for a dollar uh, with my last nomination. but was thrilled to get him there. I, I mean, is he going to go for more than that now? I don't know if the Deion Lewis injury necessarily affects him just because they're, they're such different players. But you know, at the end of the day, New England isn't throwing you know, two running backs out there at a time all that often. No, no, I, I just think Belichick likes him. He doesn't fumble very right. often. That's weird guy, weird guy for Belichick to like, right? Like if you could have bet on like guys who Bill Belichick would really like a uh, man who was kicked out of school for punching opponent in college, it would He's not have been high on the list. Really competitive and doesn't want to no, deal with people jawing in his face yeah. about pulling off an upset. It was a good punch too. I mean, if you're going to do it, do it right. And he definitely did it right. No, he, he definitely get it right as far as that punch goes but yeah i do like blunt this year at the mm-hmm. current price so go ahead and, and stash him away as your rb4 rb5 and you may end up having a useful flex option on your hands if you lose one of the players ahead of him on your roster that's going to wrap things up for today's episode of the rotowire fantasy football podcast sponsored by drive sober or get pulled over jake and eric are back with you tomorrow 